think more important than what the flaws is, how have you worked to overcome it so that you can continue to grow? And hopefully sharing your experience will help, uh, help our listeners learn a little bit from your experience. You said something that rings very true with me. I started a YouTube channel 10 years ago, and I was so worried that every video was perfect, that I said it just right. And I just drove myself crazy sometimes with my scripts and everything, just making sure that it was perfect when it was better to get the content out there. Yeah. So I ended up writing, I wrote four books now, but listen to this. The last book I wrote took me about two days. It only takes about 90 minutes to read. And what was funny is I gave it to a good friend of mine who's a doctor and he called me up a couple of days later. He says, you know, you have a lot of grammatical errors in there. And I said, awesome, that's great. Let's just get it out there. Let's get people reading it because those grammatical errors don't mean anything. We got to get the content out there. So yeah, my kryptonite was a little bit too perfectionist and worried about, you know, saying things absolutely perfectly instead of just getting the concept and the content in people's heads. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and today I have live on the line Dan Thompson. Dan, are you there? I'm here. Awesome. Come to us live from Boise, Idaho. Is that right? That's the place. So are, just out of curiosity, I know winter happens early there. Have you gotten there yet in, in October? <laughs> Not too bad. I mean, we actually were just swimming and, and at the lake just the last week. Nice, yeah. Still the last time I was in Boise, we were there in the dead of winter. It was cold. But it is such a gorgeous part of the country. Yeah. I would love to go back and visit some more and see. You know, I want to go floating down the rivers there when it's warm. Oh, yeah. No, it's a lot of fun. I'm a California implant, but I'm legal because I've been here long enough and have all my, we had all our kids here. So I'm okay. But I don't miss California at all. I love it here. Yeah. Yeah. We have been traveling for a whole bunch for a long time. And for those audience who's paying attention to our travels, we're still in Florida till the end of November. Um, but yeah, we, we moved ourselves, our, they call it the domicile when traveling. Our domicile is no longer California. It's now Florida. I don't miss California either. So but it's a great place. Loved growing up there. It's just changed so much that it's yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate. unfortunate. One of the most beautiful places in the country. Uh, it is been well. Um, so what I want to do before we get too far into the, the content here today is just do a quick introduction. So I'm going to look over here at uh, your bio here and get people uh, an idea of who you are, and then we'll dive into your story. So Dan Thompson is a financial expert, speaker, author, investor, business owner and educator. He's the owner and founder of Wise Money Tools, Eagle Capital Management, and Oakmont Signature Homes. Dan has written several books and uses videos, social media, and podcasts to teach and educate about the investment and wealth building concepts and strategies. Dan is committed to providing financial knowledge to help build wealth and income for his clients. And he feels that traditional financial planning methods simply are not working, and he shows you ways to safely build wealth, 
produce more income and tax advantages. Um, and your website is wisemoneytools.com. So what I want to do before we get too far into any of this is why don't we start off with who you are now, what you're known for. Um, so what's your business like? Who do you serve? What do you do for? Well, you know, I guess maybe let me go back and start how this all began back when I was 15 years old. I was sitting in the back seat of my dad's car when he was talking to a friend of his. My parents were really hardworking people, but just never could make ends meet. And he's talking to this friend of his who said he made $30,000 that month in the stock market. Wow. And I'm like, what? How could that possibly be? You know, I was making $250 an hour working for a landscaper and framing houses. And I quickly did a little calculation. I'm like, okay, that would take me 20,000 hours or something, you know, crazy and four years to make 30,000. So literally from the time I was 15, I said, okay, somehow, some way, I got to be a stockbroker. <laughs> and that's that kind of put me on my journey. In my early 20s, I finally got hired and thought that was the way to go. It unfortunately took me almost 15 years to realize that's a tough row to hoe for so many clients because of the volatility in the market. So yeah. I really had to find a better way. And that's what kind of put me on my journey to find this more safe, predictable, productive way to build wealth and save on taxes. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, my story is similar. I remember it wasn't a stockbroker, but I was 15 years old. And I, one of the things I used to, I lived in Southern California and we had um, the town that we lived in was like, there was um, us plebeians, you know, the people who lived in the normal housing, which was, you know, it was all upper income, middle, upper middle class area. I mean, then there was the rich families that all lived in the hills behind that. Like, you know, it was a five acre buy-in and every house was a mansion. And like those kids drove their dad's Lambos to work while they were to school, while they took their helicopter into LA or San Diego. Um, and I used to, I just learned to drive. I would take my motorcycle or my car and I would drive through and like, just look at all the mansions. And I remember finding one that I really liked one day. I convinced my dad to go with me. And I was like, come check out this house. And I went and checked that. And so this cool mansion that had like a waterfall down the front. And I was like, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to be able to afford a house like that. And he goes, don't get your hopes up. Um, and I remember thinking like at that day, I was like, I have to get different mentors in the business world because my dad is an employee. He's a successful employee. He's a great guy, great relationship with him, um, but he's not a business owner um, and not an entrepreneur. And I remember thinking at that same age that I was like, I need to find a different path and started looking into business really seriously. Um, and I'm a few years late, but by the time I'm 40, I should actually be able to afford that house. Not that I want to buy it anymore, but. <laughs> I know I can remember that myself. We lived kind of in, the, I don't want to say poor part of town, but certainly not the fluent, but just maybe three miles from my house were all the, it was called Del Rio Estates, you know, this huge golf course, major houses, all this. And I'm thinking, man, is there any way possible I'll ever live in something like this? And just, you know, and honestly, from my upbringing, I thought there was just no way to get past, you know, just living in paycheck to paycheck land. And uh, luckily I found some way. So what is it that you teach and do for your clients today? I think our biggest effort, so to speak, and where we kind of, you know, get most of our attention is what we do is we pack life insurance full of cash and we use that life insurance to leverage into other income producing assets, multifamily. We like equipment leasing. We're just starting to get into car washes. Almost any that somebody's interested in, as long as it's productive and can produce some passive income and cash flow, we like to get involved in. But starting from that life policy really lets us leverage that dollar once, twice, three times 
but it also will increase our rate of return by using the policy as our collateral. So yeah. there's some really unique ways to keep, keep the tax man at bay as well. Yeah. So for, for those people who are not in this world, what you're talking about, I believe, is your full life insurance policies where you can fill up the cash balance of them and then take the cash, take a loan against that cash to acquire uh, you know, cash producing assets. And then you have that money essentially at work in two places at once. You're getting the return in the whole life policy that's anywhere from, you know, four to eight percent on the market. And then you're getting the return from your assets. You're actually doubling the about about right for for what you're talking about that sounds great yeah yeah a little double dip in there little double dip in and because it's a loan against the policy you get to pay them back so you get you earn the interest that you create there in the policy and then as you pay the loan back you pay yourself interest so you're paying interest on that and then once the loan is paid off you have the initial loan balance plus the money you made in the market plus the interest you pay back in plus you still have the cash producing asset um, that you acquired that is you know producing cash and if you sell that you end up with you know, it's, it's one of the, the tools that the rich use to get richer. It's, it's a fascinating tool. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you, like I said, every asset actually gets better if we've used the policy as the collateral. So it, uh, yeah, we get a lot of benefits from it. Not to mention, and unfortunately, we don't talk about this too much, but I just had this in a client situation. We hope nobody ever dies, right? But the fact is uh, we're all going to exit the planet sooner or later. And having that final death benefit tax-free can really help a family, can help an estate, can help a business. Yeah. So even though that's not the emphasis, it sure is a nice little icing on the cake. Icing on the cake, an extra benefit for it. And there's other cool things too. I know you can have, like you can build up the cash value so that you take loans out against them when you're in your retirement age. Um, and then the death benefit actually covers the loan payments back to it. So it ends up being you know, tax-free retirement. Um, so there's all sorts of different ways you can structure those kind of things. I guess my first question for you before we get like too far into like the rest of your story is when does looking at investments start to make sense? Is this like, you know, I got a hundred bucks a month I can put towards something like this or like, hey, when you got 20, 30, 40, $50,000 and you can start putting it into assets, when does it make sense to start calling someone like you and putting assets into tools like that? Oh, yeah. As soon as you got $10 to save, I mean, get saving as fast as you can. You never... I always say you never get back yesterday. Time is such a commodity that we all never know how much time we actually have. So don't waste a day, compound every day. So save as much as you can, as soon as you can. And uh, you'll be amazed what happens over the years if you just start early. Absolutely. So I want to get in and talk about your uh, superpowers. Right? Every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's fancy flying suit or you know, made by their genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder from the sky or the super strength. Heroes in the real world have what I call a zone of genius, which is either a skill or a set of skills that you were born with or developed over the course of your time that energize all your other skills. And the superpower is what sets you apart, allows you to help people slay their villains, come on top in their journeys. And the way I like to frame this for my guests is if you could look at all the skills that you developed through your life, you probably have a common thread that sort of ties all those skills together. And that common thread is where you would find your superpower. So what do you think in your business your superpower is? Oh man, that's a great question. I would probably have to say my superpower is being able to take a complex financial idea or concept and make it simple to understand and easy to implement. So uh, for those of us who are not in the financial world, you can make stuff that we need to do understandable and simple so we can actually implement and do the things we should be doing. That's exactly right. Yep. And when, you know, it is complex out there. You start talking about everything from 
internal rates of return and taxes and tax bracket. I mean, it does get a little complicated. So being able to simplify that, make it easy and understandable. And I know in the financial world, so many people get really terrible advice that um, sometimes when you actually have someone who can explain things well, like one of my favorites, this was something that I learned from another, you know, wealthy friend of mine, you're at the financial companies put on where they bring in the financial advisor who's like, we're going to help you get your 401k set up or whatever. And I remember one of the things he said um, the first time I heard one of these pitches was when you retire, you should plan to make less money. Um, and so you want, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket. And, and I was like, I raised my hand back there and I was like, I don't want to plan to be poorer. Like I want to plan to be wealthier. And I was like, wouldn't it make sense to put, you know, already taxed dollars and let it grow tax free? So I on taxed on the seed instead of on the harvest. And he was pitching something where you're not taxed on the seed, but instead taxed on the harvest. And I was like, that gives you a much larger tax bill. He's like, yeah, but the assumption is you'll make less when you get older. And I was like, well, I don't like that. That's not a good plan. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. You and I speak the same language. That drives me crazy. When I hear these guys talk about, oh, you can live off of 80% less. No, I want 80% more income than I had while I was working. So I can really enjoy uh, yeah. retirement. So yeah, exactly. that's crazy talk. It's crazy <laughs> talk. And it's the kind of thing that you don't hear those messages until you get around people who know how to do what you're talking about, how to actually make the financial, the complex sort of financial world make sense. Um, and if you're only ever presented with terrible advice, and you, know, you end up planning for making less money, planning for a poor retirement instead of planning for a wealthy retirement. You know, I often say that the 401k has become one of the biggest burdens we could ever have because we think it's the end all and the answer to retirement, but it has let down so many people, not only because of the volatility, but just because of what you just suggested. And that is all we're doing is kicking a can down the road and having a tax bill that's larger than it would have been, you know, had we paid it 20 or 30 years ago. But the other thing is it's not designed for income. There's no way you can just say, oh, I'm going to turn on the 401k income now, because what that really means is you're going to have to start selling off uh, yeah. selling off your mutual funds or whatever you have it in, invested in. I would much rather start young getting into passive type investments, you know, multifamily leasing, things like that, that produce income. And let's build up your income so high that you could literally retire anytime you want. But we don't focus on the income side of things until they're 65, 66 years old. And by then, it's just too hard to create that income stream. Yeah, absolutely. So if your your superpower is the ability to sort of explain these complex financial systems to people who need to understand them, the flip side of every superpower, of course, flip side of that coin is the fatal flaw. And you know, every Superman has their kryptonite. Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad. You probably have a flaw that's held you back, something that you've struggled with. For me, it was perfectionism, right? I spent a lot of time in my life um, struggling with wanting to keep get everything exactly right. And so I wouldn't ship anything. Um, I never got to the point where I was actually like producing what I wanted to produce. So, uh, you know, I had some ways I had to help myself get over that. But um, I think more important than what the flaws is, how have you worked to overcome it so that you can continue to grow? And hopefully sharing your experience will help, uh, help our listeners learn a little bit from your experience. You know, you said something that rings very true with me, and that is, so I started a YouTube channel, oh gosh, nine, 10 years ago. And I was so worried that every video was perfect, that I said it just right, that it, you know, and I just drove myself crazy sometimes with my scripts and everything, just making sure that it was perfect when it was better to get the content out there. 
Yeah. So I ended up writing, I wrote four books now, but listen to this. The last book I wrote took me about two days. It only takes about 90 minutes to read. And what was funny is I gave it to a good friend of mine who's a doctor and he called me up a couple of days later. He says, you know, you have a lot of grammatical errors in there. And I said, awesome. That's great. Let's just get it out there. Let's get people reading it because those grammatical errors don't mean anything. We got to get the content out there. So yeah, my kryptonite was a little bit too perfectionist and worried about, you know, saying things absolutely perfectly instead of just getting the concept and the content in people's heads. Yeah, absolutely. I've been in the same boat. I know for me, I had a good friend of mine who changed my mindset on the whole perfectionism thing. And she was like, perfection is the lowest standard you can hold yourself to because it doesn't exist. And so if you're striving for perfection, you're not striving for anything at all. And so she was like, what you should be striving for is like production, like actually ship something, get the content out, the book published, get the service live and, you know, take someone uh, you know, actually get something done. Um, and you know, get that whole life insurance policy set up. And if it's not right, right, it's not right the first time. If you can fix it in the future, execute and iterate is significantly more powerful than getting it right the first time. Well, you know, and if I assume you've got a lot of business owners in your audience. And one other thing that I kind of big mistake on is not marketing myself sooner. And again, maybe that perfectionist kind of a thing, but I would have spent a lot more money on marketing and getting my message out there younger in life and waiting for it to become perfect. Yeah, I would. I feel the same way. Like I, if I had started doing what I'm doing now 10 years ago, man, they would be, I'd be in a completely different world. And, you know, building your own personal brand, creating the content, getting that stuff out there. It's, yeah, I let fear of, you know, how am I going to sound? What am I going to come across uh, to keep me from putting anything out at all? And for years and, you know, I finally started changing that four or five years ago, and it's had a huge impact on, um, on our business growth and everything. Yeah, that's a that's a big one for sure. What I want to talk about next then is your common enemy. Right? So every superhero has an arch nemesis. It's a thing that they're constantly have to fight against in their world. Um, and in the world of business, it takes on a lot of forms, but we generally put it in the context of your clients. And it's a mindset or it's a flaw that you're constantly having to fight to overcome so you can actually get people the results that they came to you for. So in this world of helping people build wealth and cash flow and, you know, acquire cash producing businesses and stuff like that, what is your common enemy that you constantly have to fight against? I would say it's traditional financial planning. And the reason why I can say that is because that's where I started. You know, again, I started as a stockbroker, kind of transitioned into a financial advisor. And it was after the dot-com boom and bust that I realized I had to find a better way. But that's the hardest thing to overcome because people think, again, they all they got to do is buy that 401 or invest in that 401k, get their match, hope the market performs well, and they're going to be fine financially. Uh, they, they don't use leverage wisely, uh, debt a little bit too much. But the fact is that, that traditional model and what we just discussed, living on 80% less when you retire, all those things, they're just flawed concepts that aren't working. They've let down so many Americans over the years. And we've just got to wake up to realize that it's not working and there's got to be a better way. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I know everything I have learned in both the traditional financial planning space. And now a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. 
Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. Now back to the hero show. The the traditional financial planning models, I remember I, I I started getting into wealth creation and wealth management when I was like 17, 18 years old. And all the stuff that I could find at that time was all the stuff that you find out is actually like terrible advice later. And it's all that's available. And it's not until you you have to really search to find the people um, and the information um, that is, right. I don't know how to say this without coming across weird, but it's like, there seems to be the information that the masses get. And then there's information that the wealthy have. And it's not like that it's hidden. It's just that it's not widely available. Um, It's not taught. It's not made easily accessible, which I guess is fine, but there's a lot of that traditional stuff that is just not effective for growing businesses, becoming an entrepreneur, creating wealth, creating cash flow, cash flow producing assets, all that kind of stuff. Um, And yeah, so it's definitely an enemy. Well, and you know, I kind of, I say I cursed my kids with this entrepreneurial gene because none of them have quote unquote jobs. They all own their own businesses. They all do their own thing. And they're all you know, extremely successful, especially at their ages. But but that's one thing that I tried to you know come across that the eight you know nine to five job the get a boost in your salary every year that's just not the way to really build your wealth. Um, and if you can find ways to help enough other people get what they want, you get what you want. I can't remember who said that years ago, but. Yeah. <laughs> It's stuck with me ever since I was in my early years. And so that's really the whole focus is if I can help enough people get wealthy because that's what they're after, it just naturally falls back to me as well. And if I do, if I just follow my own advice, I always say I'm my best client because I do exactly what I tell my clients to do. And I'm always the first one in the pool as well. If we're going to look at a new investment opportunity, I'll be the first one in, make sure we like it, it makes sense, it's doing what it needs to do before we start exposing it to our clients. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I know I had the uh, that same sort of thought. You hear a lot of people about, the, you know, I'm going to get a promotion at work and make 10% more this year or 5% more or whatever it is, right? Get a small increase in your wages. And I remember oh, this is probably early 20s where I was like, I don't want that. I want to be able to constantly expand my needs. Right. Or where I can do the things I want to do in my life, right? You know, my wife and I've been traveling full time for six years. My business operates on less than four hours a day, four days a week, kind of thing, right? And 
Like, so I'm always asking myself questions like, how can I increase my income and decrease the amount of time it takes to create that income? And how can we do things like where you can't see the backdrop on my computer, but my backdrop is a big sailing yacht that we're working on moving to a sailing yacht so we can travel port to port around the world. And those are the kind of things that you can't do, the kind of lifestyle experiences you can't create if you're working a nine to five job and going for 10% raise once a year. And so we're, we're constantly fighting for how can we have, I'm going to forget the word, exponential increases in your life and exponential increases for, um, I, you know, I call them the five freedoms, right? So the five freedoms are political freedom, time freedom, location freedom, um, financial freedom, and health freedom, right? And those are the things that, like you're doing in those areas, um, you know, they, then they won't restrict your ability to make decisions to do, to do the things you want to do. And it, it requires looking at and operating your life differently than what um, almost everyone is taught. Oh, no question about it. I mean, again, I don't know why I keep picking on the 401k today, but think about that. It's just jail for your money. Yeah. You can't touch it till you're 59 and a half, call it 60 years old. It's going to be taxed when you take it out. And all those years, had you been able to use that capital to get into other investments, other passive income activities, you would have so much more income and maybe you could have retired, quote unquote, at 50 or 45 or, you know, years and years earlier. Uh, and yet we still, you know, believe this Wall Street way. And they've done a great job in promoting uh, their market. But the reality is, man, you can just do so much better if you manage your own money and look for opportunities outside of traditional methods. Yeah. I don't know sure why this reminded me of what you just said reminded me of this, but one of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series of books, I can't remember which one, it's like, Why We Want You to Be Rich or something like that. It talks about the four quarters of life. And he's like, your first 20 years are pregame and you've got you know, 20 to 30 is first quarter, 30 to 40 is second quarter, you know, 40 to 50 is third quarter, and then 50 to 60 is fourth quarter. It's like most of your traditional stuff have you working all the way through the fourth quarter only to get into retirement and be poor. Um, he's like, you want to try and how do you win the game second or third quarter? That's where yeah. you want to be. How do you win the game of money in the second or third quarter? And, you know, that's where. No, that's exactly right. And man, by the time you get to that third and fourth quarter, you kind of want to be enjoying life and being so far ahead of the game that you can kind of put it in cruise control. Yeah, yeah. So I and that's what I'm, I've had that metaphor in my head for a while now. I still got like three years till I'm forty, and I keep looking. I'm like, man, third quarter starting soon. I want to be to the point where like everything takes care of itself by the time I get to the third quarter. But, you know, it's definitely a good goal. Well, you know, I'm fortunate. I do this because I love it. I mean, I love going around speaking. I love doing my YouTube channel. I still like working with clients. But it's not that I have to. It's that I want to. And it's actually my enjoyment and no longer work. Yeah, that's a good place to get to. Which I think drives gets us right to our next question, which is your driving force, right? So just like a superpower has flip side of the common I'm a Fatal flaw, the common enemy has the flip side of your driving force. Um, so just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information, what is it that you fight for, your mission, so to speak? Yeah, it's funny because my partner and I, we talk all the time about this and we say that if we don't have a trillion dollars in our system, you know, through our clients and so forth, by the time we die, then we failed. Yeah. So we're trying our get that word out, get as many people, you know, involved as we possibly can. Now, I don't know if a trillion will hit in my lifetime, 
he's about 10 years younger than me. Maybe he'll hit it in his lifetime, but that is the mission. You know, if they keep printing the dollar the way that it is, you might get there faster than you assumed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We wish we had a printing press and we could do the same thing. Yeah, that'd be really nice. I'm not a huge fan of the way that they're treating our dollar, but it's at the same time, it speaks a lot to learning how to protect and manage your wealth because it is, assets are not dollars. They can create dollars and create cash flow, but assets are assets. And it helps you protect things like that, like inflation and overprinting your currencies and whatnot. So there's even more to like what you're talking about than what we, it's just, just, wealth is just scratching the surface, but protecting your wealth and a lot of other stuff that goes into doing what you're talking about. Yeah, no question about it. And one of the easiest ways to get wealth and the largest bill that any of us will typically ever pay is taxes. And just by teaching people how to reduce, if not even eliminate their taxes, can be the biggest wealth creator that's out there. The greatest rate of return is just to not have to pay taxes. Yeah, yeah I love that. I know, you know, since we're talking about driving force for a model financial mission, I'll share it. It was one of my other guests that's in the same sort of world that you are said this to me and it has stuck with me for years now. And he calls it the four fours. Um, so the four fours of wealth. And he was like, you should have four hour work day, four days a week. Um, and then you should be able to take off, you know, one month every quarter or one week every quarter. I can't remember what it is, but it's like take off um, time and your business should be able to operate without that. And he was like um, 400,000 um, on a yearly basis after taxes and all those other things. And you can pretty much, if you want with that, it's pretty much, it's a functionally unlimited budget for anything. And, um, and then 4 million in assets. And so he calls those four fours. And I was like, those have been sort of like my guideposts for like, hey, that's where I want to get to. And my goal, where all my goal is four hours a week for, you know, four weeks off a year at least, um, if not more, and 400,000 in income and four in, in assets. Um, and I was like, that's a really good starting point for, for wealth creation. I like that. That's a good little goal to shoot for. Does, would he mind if I stole that? Probably not. He preaches it constantly. So I talk about it all the time. And maybe I'll make it all fives just to change yeah, it. Just to change it up a little bit. Or maybe 4.5, whatever. But the point is, you have a goal, right? And the thing I liked about it is it was not just wealth, but also your time, right? Because your time is part of your wealth. And so you're, um, that's the stuff that goes with all of that. And I know, like, you could certainly grow beyond 4 million in assets and grow beyond 400,000 income. But like, as first, like, goals, and I know like where like, my current personal goal is to get our business to the point where it is producing the $400,000 a year in income and then to start taking the, that income and rolling it into cash producing assets as the second goal. And so we are probably a year, maybe two out from hitting the $400,000 a year of personal income from the business. And like, that's where, where we move into the next stage. And so like, I sort of followed that as like, let's get the time commitment down. And let's get the business to the point where the systems and everything where the business runs without me so I can, you know, take time with my family and other things. And then let's work on getting the income to that certain level. And then let's work on getting the assets. So I'm working on the third category right now, we got the personal income, and then it'll get into the asset category. And I don't know if that's the right way to do it or not, but at least I will hit those goals before I get forward through that third quarter. Well, that is awesome. Well, you know, I mean, really your business is an asset. So if it's producing income, then the right kind of asset. And there's nothing wrong with being a business or an apartment building or, you know, whatever that other asset might be, if it's producing cash and giving you freedom, you got a good asset there. That's awesome. That's what we're going for. 
So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your, I call it the, uh, the hero's tool belt. And this is the practical portion of our show. Um, and just like every superhero has a tool belt with their awesome gadgets, like batter rings and web slingers and laser eyes, you know, or a big magical hammer like Thor has. Um, I'm going to talk about the top one or two tools you couldn't live without to do what you do, right? It could be anything. It could be your notepad, could be your calendar, could be the marketing tools, could be used for your actual delivery of services. Um, something you think is essential to getting your job done on a daily basis. Well, from a, just an absolute practical perspective, it's that camera for you. Didn't have that, I get my word out. So that'd be definitely the first thing is that YouTube camera. <laughs> I love that because I'm I, you know, I, my audience probably knows I run a podcast production company, and the what's funny to me is for the first four or five years, I have roughly ten thousand dollars worth of camera sitting here in my little mini podcast studio. And the iPhone in the last generation, the iPhone 13, was the first time that I started switching to using the iPhone for my production. I and mean, this is actually, this is legitimately an iPhone that is attached to a little MagSafe mount that I'm using to record nowadays. And so, you know, people say, you got to have a good camera, and you do. And most people now have production-worthy camera in their pocket already. And so you can go right back to use it to get your message out. You got a good enough microphone, a good enough camera. And you have a message that's worth getting out to your audience or to your potential audience, people who have problems that you can help solve. And so I love that answer as a practical tool. Because I think more and more being able to get your content and get your message out is going to help create trust in the marketplace. And we are no longer in the information age. Anymore. I tell people now we're in the trust age and you're going to build trust with your potential market by getting on camera and sharing your message and sharing your stories and sharing your experiences. So um, I couldn't agree more personally. I, uh, and you're exactly right. You're carrying around a 4K camera in your pocket. So you, no excuse. Yeah. The message, get it out there. You got the message, get it out. I love that. So I want to talk then about your own personal heroes, right? Every hero has their mentors, just like Frodo had Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad or even Spider-Man had his uncle Ben. Um, who were some of your heroes? Were they real life mentors? Were they speakers or authors? Peers were a couple years ahead of you. And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your business? Yeah, my hero is kind of an opposite of what you would think, but I'd have to say my dad is one of those because he taught me how to work really hard, but what he didn't teach me is how to make money doing it. Yeah. He was kind of a bad example of a great example. I really feel, you know, he unfortunately passed away about as broke as when he was born. I just never really, you know, made a lot of money. But man, the guy taught me, he taught me how to communicate with people because he was a great sales guy. He taught me how to work hard, taught me how to never be outworked. And so from that perspective, definitely a hero. I just wish he had the fruits of his labor pay off at some point in his life before he passed. And, and a lot of that is just not having access to the same information that you went and built for yourself, which is really cool. And, you know, which means other people can it can change that. And, you know, I'm the same way. My dad is still alive. He's great. I love my dad's pieces. And, but he's the same way, right? He's, he taught me, but like the two biggest things, maybe three really, really taught me were to, the value of hard work. And, and I remember like, I remember thinking growing up that I was like, there's no way that you could actually work to start. But I'm like, at this point in my life, I'm like, listen, you can't, because I will work you under a table. Like if I have, and then at the same time, I'm going to put a lot of that effort to figuring out how to build systems that work for me. But like it's that that mentality that he gave me. And the other one was just learning how to learn. 
he taught me how to learn. That was such an invaluable skill that has allowed me to do so much in my life. Um, and then probably the most important lesson I learned from my dad was, was this idea that you don't wait until you're ready to do something. And I remember I was like 18 or 19 years old and I was, you know, going to get into uh, to this girl. And I remember sitting down and asking him, like, am I ready to get married? And he was like, there's no such thing as ready. It's like there's only you know, the act of taking action is what makes you ready for something. And that one little piece of advice has stuck with me for so many things. And it's allowed me to do so much in my life um, to just be like, hey, you just take the action, take the next steps, because taking the next steps is what makes you ready to do things. So I'm in the same boat. My dad's one of my personal heroes. Yeah, well, and, and that hard work is just invaluable. When, when I started as a stockbroker, I was in my early 20s. I'm, I'm in an office with 35 other guys who've been around 5, 7, 10, 15 years, older guys at the time. And uh, But no one could outwork. I would go home and grab a little bite to eat for dinner, and then I'd head right back to the office. You know, back then, no internet, no computers, really. And I had to run back to the office and open the phone book and start calling people to see if they would take two minutes to listen to me. And I mean, I just worked them all to the ground. And in a year and a half, I was the number one guy. I ended up leaving that firm and opening my own because I thought I could do it better than they could. And I ended up within just a couple of years of business having five offices, six guys working for me. And it was all just because no one could touch me on the work ethic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is that is a wonderful lesson. And I remember I was a lot younger. I don't work that long anymore as I've learned how to build, how to work smarter than that. But I, I would work 12, 18 hour days. Um, I'd be like, listen, I will show up and I will just work you under a table if I have to, to win. Um, and so you can take that same sort of mentality and apply it to better outcomes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really important skill. So my last, or not my last question, but my next question here for you is about your guiding principles. Right, so one of the things that makes heroes heroic um, is that they live by a code. For instance, Batman never kills his enemy. He always brings them to Arkham Asylum. So as we near the end of this interview, I talk about the top one or two principles that you use regularly in your life. Maybe something you wish you knew when you first started. Biggest principle is I will be just downright honest with a client, no matter what, even if it hurts their feelings. I mean, not their feelings, but I, I just will never do something shady with a client. I'll take it, I'll, I'll forgive or forgo my commissions or my income or anything to just make sure there's not a client out there ever point a finger back to me as being some something shady or not quite as honest. And so that's just number one in my book is just treating the client as fairly and as, as honestly as I possibly can. Yeah, I think you'll probably like my response to this. I mean, we're pushing on 250 episodes for this show, and I ask that question all the time. And the the thing that has always stuck out to me is how probably 9,900% of the people who are on this show, when I ask them that question, they respond with some variation. And the thing that sticks out to me there is the, the whole purpose of this show is to change the cultural narrative, entrepreneurship, batterings, and the desire to create profit and wealth in your life is somehow... And you see it in all of our stories. Like uh, you can't come across a TV show or a movie or a kid's show where the storyline is not some variation of entrepreneur pours oil on ducks for money. And, and the reality is they're in the real world, it's entrepreneurs are looking to create value to make the world a better place. Um, and that always starts with integrity. So um, I appreciate that. And I love that you are living that message in your own business. I always tell my advisors at work, no 
this worth having if it's not honest, straight up, just because it'll come back to bite you. Absolutely. Well, I think that is a great place to wrap our interview, but I do finish every interview with a simple challenge I call the Heroes Challenge. And I do this to help get access to stories that we might not otherwise find our own. So the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think you should come share their story on our show? First person that comes to mind for you. Oh, my gosh. And it's just because of the name of this last question. Uh, my son has a school called the Heroes Academy. And That's cool. it's a private school. And it's made to teach kids how to learn, excitement of learning. There's no teacher standing up there, you know, wah, 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 like Charlie Brown. They learn at their own pace. They learn the things that they're excited about. And every year they have an entrepreneurial, what you call it, a fair, if you will. And these kids in second and third and fourth grade already have their own businesses and they share what they're doing and their productivity. But you would love talking. That is, that is awesome. The other side to that is just a few months ago, he was on his way to spend a year on a yacht with his family until he got offered the entire national school. So it's called Heroes Academy, a private school. Kids just love it. They just excel. I think he's a fun guy to talk to. I'd love to see if we get him on. We'll see if we talk afterwards and get an introduction. Sometimes they come on, sometimes they don't, but we always get cool stories when they do. So... In comic books, there's always the crowd of people at the end who are cheering and clapping for the acts of heroism. So our analogous to that as we close is we want to know where can people find you if they want your help in the future? Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak? And more importantly, who are the right types of people to, you know, light up the bat signal and ask for your help? Yeah, so wisemoneytools.com is my website. It's also the YouTube channel. I'm usually Wise Money Tools or Wise Money Dan on just about every social media outlet out there. I think our perfect client is someone who's just looking to build their wealth, potentially reduce some taxes, entrepreneurs, business owners, lots of professional doctors, dentists, things like that, high net worth. But really, we want to help somebody that's, that's on that path to creating their wealth. Absolutely. So, Dan, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your story today. It's been fascinating to hear just your thoughts and um, the way that you go through uh, money and wealth and your approach to it. So if you are in that boat where you're looking to grow wealth, I would definitely reach out and talk to someone like Dan because you know, people like me, we don't, we're not in that business. <laughs> I learned a lot of the things from people like Dan and it's been really helped my, my life, my lifestyle and everything. Um, so definitely takes time to reach out. It's at wisemoneytools.com. We'll make sure the links to that are in the show notes on, on the website. And Dan, thank you so much for coming on today. Do you have any uh, final words of wisdom for my audience for this stop record button? You know, this was so much fun and I love the you know, mantra of the heroes. I think that was awesome. So thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Hero Show, where we work to shift the cultural narrative around entrepreneurship and celebrate the heropreneurs who make our world a better place. Don't forget to visit our website at theheroshow.tv, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS so you'll never miss an episode. If you found value in our show, we'd truly appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or better yet, share it with a friend to help us spread the message of entrepreneurship as a force for good. Curious to learn more about the stories and insights of these incredible heropreneurs? Check out our in-depth interviews and resources on our website. Together, let's support and inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs as they embark on their own heroic journeys. 
Join us again next week for another episode of The Hero Show, where we'll continue to explore the world of heropreneurs, their superpowers, and the positive impact they bring to our lives. Until then, stay heroic.